It's just good to serve a good God, amen? How good it is to have you in God's house this evening. You can be seated as I introduce the, the sermon this evening or the word and when we go to the Lord in prayer. But the title of my message this evening is The Fruit of the Spirit is Faithfulness. Taken from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, which we looked at last week, faithfulness, which we'll look at tonight, and that's what we will spend this evening looking at. It is the fruit of faithfulness. Amen? Before we go there, one more time, we'll go to the Lord in prayer as we always do, because I don't know about you, but I need Him, and I believe you need Him too. Amen? Father God, we just thank you once again for how good you are. You're a good and gracious God, and we praise you for that. And thank you, Father, for the love that you've bestowed upon us. I thank you, Father, for your spirit that's in this place. We thank you for your word, which is the power of God unto salvation. I thank you for the opportunity, God, to bring forth your word. I don't take it lightly. That's why I ask for your presence and your power and your anointing to be upon me. Pray that you would strengthen me, God, that you would touch my mind, that you would touch my body, come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, every disturbance, Father God, against the work of the enemy that would try to just uh, take away these words. But I pray tonight, God, that they would find a place in fertile soil. God, I pray that you would challenge us by your word, that you would change us by the power of your word. I pray that your people would have ears to hear and hearts that are willing to receive and receive with gladness. We just call upon your power and your presence to be with us tonight. We glorify you for it. And all of God's people said, amen. The word faithful or faithfulness that is used so often in Scripture most often means steadfast in affection. Most of the time when you read the word faithfulness, it implies a steady and an unwavering course in love, allegiance, and in conviction. It implies a firm resistance to any temptation to desert the Lord or betray the Lord at any level in our life. It is impervious to influences that would try to weaken it or cause it to waver. This is the faithfulness that God is talking about and what He has called us to. To give you a better understanding of this fruit or this virtue of the Spirit... When Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah were taken into captivity by the Babylonians, they remained faithful, the word says, to the Father the entire time of their captivity. When they were separated from their family, when they were taken into a strange land, when they were placed in uncomfortable situations and circumstances, when they were forced to learn the Babylonian ways and the Babylonian culture and the Babylonian language, when their career path seemed to uh, be altered in an instant, the Bible says they remained faithful to the Father. When their world was turned upside down overnight, we will read that they remained faithful to the Father. Continuing on, church, when their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, by whom you know them most. These are not Hebrew names, 
These are not the names that their parents gave them. These were not names that reflected the Father. These were not names that were associated with Jehovah or the kingdom of God. But when they were given Babylonian names, when they were given pagan names that that seemed to identify them with pagan gods, we need to understand and remember that their heart for God and their affection for God and their faithfulness to God never changed. Even though their names were changed, even though their surroundings were changed, even though their circumstances and situations were changed, even though everything about their life was changed overnight, their heart for God, affection for God, and their faithfulness for God never changed. You see, when their names were changed, nothing about them was changed. Their heart wasn't changed. They loved the Lord with all their heart, their mind, their their soul, and their strength. You see, what we need to understand and realize is that this world will do everything it can to change you. This world will do everything it can to alter your affection for the Father. It will do everything that it can to cause your affection for the Father and your devotion for the Father and your faithfulness to the Father. It will do everything that it can to alter it and cause it to waver, cause it to wander away. But we need to learn like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who even though everything about their life changed and it wasn't what they wanted and it wasn't what they asked for, Their affection for the Father never changed. They remained steadfast in their affection. Go even farther when they were threatened to be thrown into the fire unless they bowed in allegiance to this wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible tells us that they still maintained an unwavering allegiance to God. An unwavering allegiance to Jehovah, enough so that they said or were willing to say that even if we are not delivered, we will not bow. Even if we have to go into the fire, we will not bow. That is the allegiance. That is the kind of faithfulness that God is talking about when, he's, when He refers to the fruit of faithfulness in our life. It's an unwavering and steadfast affection, church. They maintained an allegiance to God even in the face of fire because that's what faithfulness does. And this is what we've been called to bear. It's an unwavering course in love and allegiance and conviction. The sad reality is, church, there's far too many individuals or Christians who who falter and fail in their faith simply because they don't have that kind of conviction because they don't have the fruit of faithfulness flourishing in their life. You see, listen to me. The reality is, please understand, tonight's word, I I, I want you to understand that I'm not standing here in condemnation or in judgment. I want you to understand tonight that I had to preach this word to myself before I ever bring it to you. So what I'm sharing from God's word, I'm sharing to all of us tonight. But the reality is, if you want to stand firm in in the face of fire... If you don't want, if you don't want to give in, if you don't want to bow to the pressures of this world, you need to understand what the fruit of faithfulness is all about. You need to understand what God is calling us to bear because the reality is without the fruit of faithfulness in our lives, we will always bow to the pressures of this world. Without the fruit of faithfulness flourishing in our lives, we will always give in when we face the fire and we will always give in when we face the temptation. We will always give in or walk away when we face the flood or the difficulties of life. 
life, when, when our world is turned upside down overnight, if we don't have the fruit of faithfulness already in our lives, we'll fail the Father and our faith will fail as well. You see, the reality is these three Hebrew boys, they didn't give in and they didn't bow because they had a conviction deep down in the soil of their soul. They had faithfulness before they were ever taken into captivity. They had the fruit of faithfulness developed in their lives before they were ever taken away from mom and dad at a teenage age. And you and I need to understand the same thing. If you want to stand firm in the face of fire... You've got to have the fruit of faithfulness cultivated and flourishing in your life. This is what the three Hebrew boys had flourishing in their lives, and it's what God wants in ours as well. According to the Greek word pistis, which is used in Galatians chapter 5, when God says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, He uses the Greek word pistis here, and it always is associated with the word covenant or covenant itself. Anytime when you see this Greek word faithful or faithfulness in the New Testament, it is always attached to a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. It has has various meanings and it's used in different places. But anytime you hear this word faithful in the New Testament, it always points to a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Always. It is the heart of faithfulness. Please understand, covenant is at the heart of faithfulness. Consecration is at the heart of faithfulness. Commitment is at the heart of faithfulness. And anytime you hear this word, It points directly to a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't have to go any further to tell you this. If you are not in a covenant relationship with Christ, you will never bear the fruit of faithfulness in your life. You will never bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life unless you're in a covenant, committed, intimate relationship with the Father and with Jesus Christ. You will never, it doesn't matter how hard you try, doesn't matter how hard and how much you want it. If you are not in a covenant relationship with Christ, remember, if you abide in me and me in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from a covenant relationship with Christ, you can't bear, I can't bear the fruit of faithfulness in my life. And I will fail in every fire. I will falter in every flood. I must maintain a covenant, committed, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that is steadfast in affection. To truly understand the fruit of faithfulness, you have to understand this word covenant, which I said is at the heart of, which is at the heart of faithfulness. In the Hebrew, the word diatheke is the word for covenant and it signifies a transferring of personal property. Diatheke is the Hebrew word for covenant. And it means a total surrender of one's property to the care and the possession and the ownership of another. And I hope you're already beginning to understand what faithfulness is all about just by those two simple words, church. I hope you're beginning to understand the depth of what God is calling us to to have produced in our lives because in all reality, faithfulness is all about surrender. Faithfulness is all about a transfer of one's ownership to someone else and that someone else is Jesus Christ. 
You see, you can't be faithful to the Father unless you transfer ownership to the Father. You can't be faithful to the Lord unless you're willing to transfer your ownership to the Lord as well. You see, the sad reality is, though, that's a difficult thing for us to do. What do you mean, transfer ownership? It means giving up yourself. That's what it means. And giving up yourself is at the heart of covenant. Giving up yourself and surrendering yourself and committing yourself to Christ is at the heart of covenant. And covenant is at the heart of faithfulness. You understand what I'm saying? If you're not willing to surrender yourself, if you're not willing to transfer property, possession of yourself to the Father, you can't be faithful to Him. Because it's at the heart of covenant and it's at the heart of faithfulness. What, that's, that's one of the things we struggle with the most. And it's why the power of God's not being released into our life. Because we're still struggling with ownership. We're still struggling with our will versus God's will. And it's why the power of God or the Spirit of God isn't flourishing in our life. Because we're still holding on to that which God has asked us to let go. We're going to look at that as we go. But these, this is the foundation of where we're going. And I spoke those words so you get an understanding. Listen, if you know Scripture, you know that in the New Covenant, which is the New Testament, that's what the word testament means. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant, where we lived under the law. It's the Old Covenant. But in the New Testament, which is the New Covenant, we live for and through Jesus Christ. Our covenant in the, in the Old Testament, it was a covenant to the law. In the New Testament, it's a covenant to Jesus Christ. You come into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why there's only one way to the Father. Through the New Testament, it's through Jesus Christ. We have to have a covenant relationship with Jesus. Not with the law, but with Jesus. You see, the reality is you can try your best to live by the law and still not have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. You can try to live up to the Word of God from A to Z and do all the things and still not have an intimate covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, God doesn't want you to have a covenant relationship with the law. He wants you to have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the one that sets you free. The law binds you. The law brings death. But Jesus is the one that gives us life and life more abundantly. And if that's what you want, you have to get away from the law and come into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ that's full of what? Affection. Affection. You see, you can love the law and still not love Jesus. Pharisees were full of it, full of the law. But they didn't love Jesus. They could quote this up and down, backwards and inside out, but they didn't love Jesus, church. And the sad reality is the house of God is filled with individuals just like that, trying to live according to the law, but don't have a loving affection for Jesus Christ. This is what the Word is about. This is what faithfulness is all about, and I want us to understand that. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, if you want to come after Christ, we learned if you want to be saved, what's the first thing you got to do? You must deny yourself, the Bible says, and take up the cross and then you're fit to follow. You see, again, the reality is I'm not fit to follow if I'm not willing to deny myself. 
Because denying yourself is the first step and, and, and the foundation to faithfulness. It's the transferring of, of my life. It's the transferring of everything that I have. If I want to follow Jesus, I've got to transfer my life. My life. It's difficult for us to grasp. It's difficult for us to understand sometimes. But the Word of God tells me if I want to save my life, I've got to lose my life. If I want to save my life, I've got to put my life in the hands of the one person that knows how to save me. And that's Jesus Christ. You might think you know how to save yourself. You might think you know what's best for you. But the one that's best for you is El Shaddai. Creator. That's who's, who knows best. And if we want, church, the best from God, we have to transfer ourselves into the hands of God. But that's where the difficulty comes in. It's in this transfer, which we're going to look at a little bit more. But that's what the Bible says. It's not what Pastor Jeff says. The Bible says you must deny yourself. That's what it's all about. It's why Paul said to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Do you not know that you're not your own? Do you not know that you don't belong to yourself anymore? Do you not know that you have been bought with a price? And you're to glorify God in your body. You're to glorify God in your life. You're to glorify God in your speech and glorify God in your actions and glorify God in your business and glorify God in your family. And I could go on and on and glorify God in your money and glorify God in your marriage. Do you not know that you were to transfer the title of your life to Jesus Christ? Do you not know that? He was asking the church. And and the sad reality is, I believe with all of my heart, that if Paul was in the house of God today, he'd say the same exact thing. Don't you know that you've been bought with a price? Don't you know that you're to be bearing the fruit of faithfulness and you can't do that unless you're willing to transfer the deed and the title of your life to Jesus Christ? Do you not know? Do you not understand What faithfulness is all about. Do you not understand what covenant is all about? Do you not know? It's what faithfulness does, church. It transfers ownership to the Father. One of the sad reality is in the house of God, across the whole land for that matter, is that the land is filled with far too many people who think they're in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and yet they have yet to transfer themselves. You know as well as I do how many people call themselves a Christian and yet they've, they've yet to transfer themselves to Jesus Christ. They've yet to transfer their marriage. They've yet to transfer their children. They've yet to transfer their funds, their will, their wishes, their desires. They've yet to transfer themselves. They, they've yet to take out the deed to their life who God gave them, by the way. Gave me, by the way, and gave you, by the way. You see, that's what, that's what dedicating our little kids is all about. Hope you understand the depths of what that meant when they did that. They devoted and dedicated. They gave back to God. They gave, they gave God the deed to their children. And we're supposed to do the same exact things as Christians. We're supposed to, when we come to Christ, here's my life. Here's the deed to my life. 
Here it is, God. It's yours. And you know what is attached to that? We have to give ourselves to God. And the reason why so many of us struggle in life, the reason why so many of us find ourselves begging for God to move in our life, the reason why so many of us can't seem to to find the, the fire and the power of God moving and operating in our lives is because we have yet to transfer the deed to our life to God. Clinging to it, holding to it, hiding it so He can't find it. It's what we do. It's what I've done. I don't know about you, but it's what I've done. But if I want to be who God's called me to be, if I want the fruit of the Spirit to be full and rich and ripe in my life, the first thing I must do is transfer it all to Jesus Christ. Listen, in order for us to be faithful to the Father, we have to surrender our will. We have to surrender our wants. We have to surrender our desires We have to surrender our plans, church, to Jesus Christ. We have to transfer ownership, like I said, because we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Listen, when I sell a car or you sell a car, when you sell your house or I sell a house, you sell it with a title. You sell it with a deed. It's got all the history and the information about that on it. And you transfer that title and the deed. When I buy a car, when I buy a house, when I finally pay it off, you get that deed. And, and you, you take ownership of that. And this is exactly what Scripture is teaching us when it comes to faithfulness. That when, when God purchased us, when Christ bought us, When he paid the price, there is a transaction that needs to take place. There is a transfer of ownership that must take place. He owns me now. He owns my plans. He owns my marriage. He owns my kids. He owns my desire. He owns, listen, he owns my past, thank God. He owns my present right now. And he owns my tomorrows so I don't have to worry about them anymore. Listen to me. The reason that so many people can't get past yesterday is because they've never given yesterday to God. Never given their hurts to God. Haven't transferred them to the Father. They like to wallow in them instead. They hold on to them instead. The reason people can't figure out today... Because they haven't transferred today to the Father. The reason why they can't sleep at night, worrying about tomorrow, is because they haven't put tomorrow in God's hands, church. I know I'm shouty, but I'm trying to get you to understand what the Holy Spirit revealed to me, church. It's important. And it's urgent. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow belongs to God. Well, I don't have to worry about yesterday. God's taken care of it. There's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember I told you last week when it comes to bearing these fruits that the individual that has these fruits in their life, they're the freest of free. Free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from all of those things. Why? Because the individual that walks by the Spirit has transferred themselves to God. This is what this is all about, church. Faithfulness can't happen and can't grow in our lives unless we're willing to give it to God. 
The sad reality is far too many of us are unwilling to let go and let God. We hear it all the time. Just let go and let God. That's easier said than done, amen? But this is exactly what faithfulness does. This is exactly what God's calling us to do. He's, he, he's asking us to let go of yesterday, let go of today, let go of tomorrow, and let me run your life. Listen, God can run your life and my life better than we can. It's when we try to run it that we end up in a mess, amen? But when we give it to God and we trust that He's going to run it right, then we are blessed. This is, this is all about this fruit of faithfulness, church. Far too many of us want to continue walking in our own ways and doing, right, doing what's right in our own eyes. But this isn't faithfulness. Faithfulness understands it is in a covenant relationship with Christ. Faithfulness turns over the deed to the Father and says, you can do a better job than I can. Faithfulness says, thank you, Father for paying the price because I could never pay it. I couldn't pay the price. I couldn't pay the debt that I owed, so thank you. Listen, just understanding what God has done for us should create an overwhelming willingness for us to transfer our deed to the Father. I believe with all of my heart that one of the main reasons why we struggle transferring ownership is because we really don't understand how awesome God is. We truly don't understand the price that He paid, the sacrifice that He made. Because if we did, church, I don't think we would hesitate to say, here, God, here it is. This is what you bought. You bought my life. Now, I put it in your hands. But that's what we need to do. Listen, the truth is God has called us to faithfulness. And when He comes into the garden of our lives looking for... for When He comes into the garden of our life, He's looking for faithfulness, church. He's not just looking for works. He's not just looking for deeds. He's looking for faithfulness, which is a steadfast affection for Him. That's what he's looking for. So often we can get wrapped up in the works and wrapped up in the deeds and wrapped up in the service and wrapped up in all of this stuff when all God wants is our affection, church. When all he wants is a steadfast devotion to him. All that he wants is this love to be lavished on him like it was lavished on us, church. He's looking for a people who are steady and unwavering in their love, committed to the covenant and fully surrendered to him. He's looking for a people who are resistant to the temptation to deny Him. Resistant to the temptation to desert Him. Resistant to the temptation to, to betray Him, church. A people who won't stop abiding or residing like we've learned over the weeks. God's looking for a fruitful people who will bear much fruit, but He's also looking for a faithful people whose fruit will last. Whose fruit will last. What good is a big pile of fruit that won't last what good is a big pile of fruit that goes rancid the next day it's no good listen what good is love if it doesn't last what good is joy if it runs out what good is peace if it doesn't persevere what good is patience What good is kindness and goodness like we looked at last week if it doesn't last? It's no good. 
Jesus is looking, God is looking, not only is He looking for an abundance of fruit, when He talks about us being fruitful, that's what God wants. But He never stopped there. He called us to bear much fruit, but fruit that will last. And the only way fruit lasts, the only way love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness last in your life is if it's surrounded by faithfulness. The only way those fruits will last in your life is if the fruit of faithfulness is cultivated as well. This is what, listen to me, it's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego endured the fire and endured the flame. Because they had the fruit of faithfulness in their life. And we have to do the same thing. What good is all of the fruit? Again, I don't want to be condemning, but what good is fruit if it only shows up on Sunday? What good is the fruit? If the only time God gets to see it is when we're in the house of God. He's talking about a faithful fruit. A fruit that's full of affection. When our boss isn't full of affection like King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't. That dude wasn't full of affection. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were full of faithfulness. Their job had nothing to do with their faithfulness. So often we attach the things and the circumstances and the situations of this world to our faithfulness when we should be attaching them to God. You understand what I'm saying, church? We've got a bad boss, got a bad situation, things aren't going the way I want, my world's been turned upside down, and all of a sudden our faithfulness wavers and our faithfulness wanes. Why? Because it's not attached to where it should be. It's not attached to Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're going to attach your joy, your peace, and all of those things to the things of this world, they're not going to last. But when you attach them to Jesus Christ through a covenant relationship, that's where the fruit of faithfulness begins to be cultivated. Listen, when the moment of temptation comes into our life, when trials come, when fires come, when the flood comes, when the storms come, when the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life come knocking at the door of our heart, God is looking for a people He can trust to remain faithful to the call and faithful to the kingdom. A people who won't waver and wander from their affection and their devotion to Him, church. A people whose whose conviction, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, will not bow even in the face of fire. In Hosea, Hosea chapter 4, God brings a lawsuit against His people. He follows a charge, he says. He, he takes legal action, you might call it, against His people. Not against the heathens, not against the enemies... Not against the strangers to his love, but God brings a charge against his very own people. For what? For a lack of faithfulness, the Bible says. For a lack of steadfast affection. Hosea 4.1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites. Not hear the word of the Lord, you Canaanites. Not hear the word of the Lord, you Hittites or you Jebusites. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, my children. He's speaking not to the heathen. He's speaking to His people, church. Hear the word of the Lord. Because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. He has an action that He's about to take against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness here. There is no kindness like we spoke of last week. And there is no acknowledgement of God in the land Please catch this. There was no faithfulness within the borders of His promised land. 
Within the boundaries of his people, there was no faithfulness. Get this. Within the borders of the promised land that he gave to his people, inside of a land that was flowing with milk and honey, among the people of promise who had been set free from over 400 years of slavery and bondage, among those people, church, there was no faithfulness anywhere within the borders. Here you have a people who saw miracle after miracle. Here you have a people who were brought out of bondage and slavery, taken into a land of milk and honey. In one breath, they're, they're eating leeks and onions. In one, in, in one breath, they're, 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 uh, they're in chains and they're in bondage, church. And here you have a people that are brought out of that into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Yet within those borders, God couldn't find faithfulness. He couldn't find a steadfast affection. He couldn't find kindness, church, the Bible says. He couldn't even find an acknowledgement of God. Who's God? Here you have a royal priesthood, a a holy nation, a, a chosen people in the middle of a promised land. And there was no acknowledgement of God. There was no fruit of the Spirit to be found anywhere within those borders, church. It amazes me. And, and, and that's exactly why God brought a charge against them. It's exactly why God was about to take action because of everything that He did. There was no acknowledgement of one thing that He had done. Nowhere in the land. That amazes me, church. And yet the sad reality is, so often... We find ourselves doing the same exact thing. No acknowledgement of anything God has done. No kindness. No goodness. No patience. No meekness. No gentleness, which we'll look at next week. No faithfulness. There was no faithfulness in the land. And it's why God brought a charge against the people. And we need to learn from this church. We need to learn that God has, has brought you into a promise as well. And within those borders and within those boundaries, there ought to be a lot of rejoicing. There ought to be a lot of thanksgiving. There ought to be a lot of the fruit of the Spirit being cultivated in our lives simply because of what God has done for us. He brought us out of darkness into His glorious light. We once were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see, church. He, he took us out of the miry clay. He pulled us out of the pig pen, and He set us on a rock eternal. There ought to be a little bit of thankfulness. There ought to be a little bit of faithfulness growing and flourishing in our lives, church. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's what God's looking for, church. God brought a charge against His people because He mainly found no steadfast affection. He found no unwavering love or allegiance. He found no resistance to temptation among these people. They were giving in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. His people, church. As a matter of fact, instead of finding the fruit of the Spirit, he found the filthy fruit of the flesh instead. If you study it and you read it, what you'll find is that he found cursing and lying. He found murder and stealing and adultery and fornication instead. Within the boundaries of His people. He could not find the fruit of the Spirit. He found the fruit of the flesh instead. 
The very things that shouldn't be growing in our life is what he found. He found unfaithfulness growing among his chosen people, among his royal priesthood and a holy nation. He found a people who had broken covenant with him, church, a people whose affection had faded. If you study this word even farther, what you'll find is you'll discover that God found a people who figured it was easier to make atonement than it was to to develop the fruit of faithfulness in their life. It was easier for them to make atonement than for them to live a sanctified and and holy and a, a righteous life. It was easier for them to make atonement than it was for them to be faithful because in all reality, church, even according to the priests of that day, it was easier. Atonement could be made at a lesser cost at a lesser price, at a lesser sacrifice than producing the fruit of faithfulness in their life and in their land. In other words, what I mean is that the reason he brought a charge against these people is because he found a people who thought it was easier to bring a ram, to bring a bag of grain or a bag of salt to an offering than it was for them to live a faithful, fruitful life. It was easier for them. As a matter of fact, the priests of the day encouraged the people to sin. He encouraged them to do the things that they were doing. Just go get a ram. Just go get a bag of grain. Just go get a bag of salt and bring an offering to the Lord. It was easier for them to carry the fat of a a ram than it was to bear the fruit of faithfulness in their life, church. This is what was happening there. And it's exactly why God brought a charge. What you and I need to understand, listen, it costs something to bear the fruit of faithfulness. It costs something for us to bear the fruit of faithfulness in our life. It costs the deed of our desires. It costs us the deed to our life, church. It costs the the transfer of ownership to God. And the Israelites didn't want to do that. They wanted to do what was right in their own eyes. They wanted to live it up. And they all all they had to do, bring a ram. All I got to do, bring a bag of grain. All I got to do is take it to the priest and let him offer up a whole bunch of sacrifices and I can go back and do the same thing. Listen, the sad reality is we do the same thing today. Oh, it's easier to bring a sacrifice than it is to live a holy life. It's easier to come into the house of God on Sunday and beg and weep and cry for forgiveness and go do what we want Monday through Saturday. It's easier. Listen, there was part of my Christian life that was me. Every Sunday, weep, 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 cry, beg for forgiveness, and then just go do what I want Monday through Saturday. It's what we do. It costs something to develop the fruit of faithfulness in our life. It costs our life. We have to transfer ownership indeed, but this is where they were. It was easier to carry the the ram and a bag of grain than it was to produce the fruit of faithfulness in their life. And dare we never get caught in that same place. And yet it happens all the time. Making, begging for forgiveness rather than living a holy, righteous, consecrated, devoted life, committed covenant uh, life with Jesus Christ. This is what was happening there. Just so you get an understanding. What we have to understand is that giving ourselves to Christ and giving ourselves to God is part of faithfulness. It's what faithfulness does. Listen, there's that saying, it's better to, it's better to, what is it? It's better to ask for forgiveness later than it is to ask for permission now. That's what was happening there with the children of Israel. And the sad reality, that same thing happens with us so often today. Please understand, you know what faithfulness does? 
It asks permission because it understands that it doesn't belong to itself anymore. Faithfulness understands that I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I've transferred ownership of my life. I've transferred my will. I've transferred my, my hopes, my dreams, my, my past, present, and future. I've transferred. Remember, I've transferred all that to God. God's now in control of my life. So I can't just go nilly-willy, do whatever I please. I've got to go ask God for permission. Listen, the, the, the biggest reason that so many of us are in a mess in our life is because we don't ever ask God's permission for diddly. We don't ask God about the girl. We don't ask God about the guy. We don't ask God about the relationship. We don't ask God's permission about the marriage. We don't ask God's uh, permission about the job or the, the career change or, 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 or ministry or anything else. We don't ask God's permission. And that is not how faithfulness works. You know what faithfulness does? It doesn't lean on its own understanding. It acknowledges God in all of its ways so God can direct its path. That's what faithfulness does. So God, what about this girl? What about this guy? What about this job opportunity? What about this ministry opportunity, God? I don't want to do it on my own. You're in charge of my life. I've transferred my past, my present, and future to you. So, so what about it, God? Do I have your permission? Do I have your blessing? You see, if we would just do that, we'd save ourselves a lot of headache and a lot of heartache because as good as it might look, sometimes God might say no. Not right now. Or wait. And we're so, we're so impatient, we rush into things. Listen, faithfulness asks God's permission. I'm going to finish up with a couple scriptures here. In Hosea 4, we need to understand that there were lots of offerings going on. Lots of offerings were taking place. Offerings were being presented to the Lord, but according to the word, there was still no faithfulness in the land. So please understand, sacrifice doesn't always equate to faithfulness. 1 Samuel 15.22 says this, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, God said. And submission or faithfulness is better than offering the fat of rams. Please understand the greatest thing that you and I could ever offer the Lord is ourself. The greatest thing that you and I could ever offer to the Father is me, myself, and I. It's our will. It's our ways. It's our dreams. It's our desires. It's our life. The greatest thing that we could offer the Lord, church, is our unwavering affection and devotion our unwavering love and allegiance. Because listen, if God doesn't have you, if He doesn't have your affection, if He doesn't have your uh, uh, devotion, anything and everything else we offer to Him is meaningless. It's meaningless. 